turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Get out of your seat. Let our visitors know how glad we are.
Let's let rushers come forward to receive our offering. And again, if you're visiting with us today, we are certainly thrilled about having you. And if you would, take the guest card out of the visitor's packet and just put it in an offering plate, fill it out and put it in an offering plate. And we want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us. We'll be getting you some information about the church. It's a joy to have with us today uh, folks all the way from Liberal, Kansas. Pastor Bill Prater and folks from Fellowship Baptist and the basketball team. They were in the national tournament in Dayton this week. Would you folks stand? Let's welcome them to the service. Got a good group with us today. So glad to have you with us. Amen. Appreciate Brother Bill and his family and all of them that are here today. Let me just remind you of a couple of things. Next Sunday is Revival Sunday. All the Sunday school classes uh, were given goals this morning. Every class is working uh, to have a certain goal. Three Super Sundays throughout the next several weeks, of course, Revival Sunday, next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, which is Easter Sunday. A lot of special things planned on that day. Our services that morning, that night, the choir will be doing something special. Squire Parsons will be with us that night. And then Mother's Day, and that's Relative Sunday as we seek to try to get our families. But these three Sundays are three Sundays that everybody, we're challenging everybody to put forth a special effort to bring someone with you. So next Sunday, I want to challenge each of you to bring at least one person with you to church next Sunday. And let's come expecting the Lord to give us a great day. Revival Sunday. Brother Hurt will be here from Indianapolis, so let's be praying and asking the Lord to bless. And then tonight, of course, in the evening service, we're going to be ordaining Terry. And, of course, he's been on staff now going on almost a year, but we're going to be ordaining him tonight in the service, so you don't want to forget that. All the deacons and ordained men that want to participate in the ordination council, just meet me at 5.30. We'll meet over in the uh, office building in the conference room. So all of you are welcome, ordained uh, deacons, uh, preachers, and whatever. Meet us at 5.30 and so we can put him through a grueling task tonight. So I need all of you. Pull out your concordances today and all of your books and come up with the hardest questions you can think of and write them down. If you don't know how to pronounce it, just make up anything. He won't know either. Amen. <laughs> but be here tonight at 5.30 and then, of course, in the evening service at 6.30, uh, we'll be blending the ordination in our services as we normally do. Now, maybe, let me just make mention the flowers down front this morning are in memory of Larry Johnson's mother who went home to be with the Lord two years ago. And we appreciate the beautiful flowers. Father, we ask you now to continue to move in the service. We thank you for that wonderful day when Jesus came into our heart and we had a life-changing experience. Bless now the offering and the rest of the service. Continue to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
<laughs> I think about one glorious day there'll be a resurrection morning. <clears throat> the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. I went home last week, as you know, it was the anniversary of my mother's death, and at Christmas time, my daddy gave me a precious gift. He gave me a diary that I had given her in 71, and she filled it in 72. And so I finally got the courage to, to dig it out and to begin to read it. And so I read up to the date in February when I finally got the courage to start reading it. So I've been reading a page each day. And oh, how she just wanted to glorify the Lord every day. And so I skipped ahead a little bit a few weeks ago. I couldn't wait, and I can't wait to get to April 2nd because that's the day Ken got saved. And my mother had prayed for Ken to get saved. And I can't wait till that day, but I moved ahead a little bit to the night when I rededicated my life to the Lord. And I had prayed so hard for some young people that really loved the Lord the way I did. And I had made the statement, if there's no one on earth that loves God and wants to serve him the way I do, I will never go back to church. And that very day, it happened to be Ken's mother and his brother came to see us. And they told us about this wonderful church downtown that had started, and there were some young people so on fire for the Lord. And oh, how my heart burned <laughs> within me when I heard him say that, because that very day I had made the statement I'd never go back to church. And there in my mother's diary, she had wrote about how I'd went to this new church. <laughs> And I'd come home so excited because I had rededicated my life to the Lord. <laughs> I'd renewed that lordship in my life. Yes, I was saved. But in my walk with Him, I'd picked up the lordship of my life. And He wasn't at, in the controls anymore. <laughs> But that night, I gave him control once again. And as I read the words that she wrote, I rejoiced. And I said, oh, God, every day of my life, may I renew with you. That lordship, you see, it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing of commitment to him, a daily commitment to walk with him. And that's what it's all about. That's what this song is about. Oh, I hope I can sing it today. Thank you, Lord. I love you. When I was just a child, I heard a beautiful story. of how you loved me so you died on Calvary Yo! Yeah. 
caught up in the situations of life and things around you. And a lot of times you don't see a way through the end and you don't understand, but you know he has everything under control. He's never been caught by surprise, not one time. And there's nothing that'll come his way or our way that he can't handle as long as we let him and his unseen hand move in, in our lives. This is an old, old song. And I can remember as growing up, you know, you don't, you don't really think about looking for the unseen hand because you know you're depending on your parents and things around. As you get older, you find that there's really only one hand you can lean on, and that's his. But you listen to the words, and if you know the chorus, just come on in with me because it's a good song this morning. The unseen hand. There is an unseen hand to me. 
that leads through ways I cannot see while going through this world of woe his hand still leads me as I go what are we doing I'm trusting to the unseen hand that leads me through this weary land and some sweet day I'll reach that strand still got it by his unseen hand this last verse makes it all worth it all I long to see my Savior's face and sing the story saved by grace and there upon that golden strand I'll praise him for his guiding hand I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land and some sweet day I'll reach that strand Still guided by his unseen hand. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 62. Go right ahead, Charlita. we get so excited around here is because what's lying ahead for us amen I tell you what it's a blessing a blessing thank the Lord for his goodness and for all of his grace thank him for his blessings Rick I don't want to embarrass you but would you just raise your hand over there just a few moments ago Rick accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior you glad for that great praise the Lord <laughs> Thank the Lord for his goodness. I noticed Lisa here this morning. Lisa, stick your hand up. Good to see Lisa here. Dean, let's welcome Lisa back. Always good to see her. 
Are you just visiting or did you leave Brian? Or <laughs> we love Brian and Lisa. I'll be with them in two weeks, I believe it is, in uh, West Virginia. But good to have Lisa home. Psalm 62, if you would please. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word. And I want us to think this morning as we look at Psalm 62 on instructions for handling the hard times of life. Instructions on how to handle the hard times. I love Psalm 62. For a number of years, when I first started preaching and so forth, if I signed my name and signed a verse of Scripture, and I was signed Psalm 62, 11, that power belongeth unto God. Of course, I use 2 First Timothy 4 now, but it's a great psalm. But I read it again this week, and as I read it and thought about it, uh, I just, these thoughts came to my heart that I want to share with you. But let's read Psalm 62, beginning in verse 1. The Scripture said, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall or a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Whenever you find that word Selah, something similar to a musical rest. The ideal is just to stop. Don't so rush on. Just stop a moment and think about what you've just read. Surely men of low degree in verse 9 are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, there are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Thank you. you. May be seated. We're going to look at the psalm this morning briefly, and I want to share with you some of David's instructions on how to handle the hard times. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, it has already been a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. I thank you for the presence of God that has been sensed and the presence of God that has been manifested in this place today. I thank you for Rick's salvation. I thank you for others that have already come today to bring needs and burdens to the Lord. Thank you for blessing your children. I ask you now, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your word, that you'll speak to us that you'll give us a word today that will help us today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Maybe someone in this room today is going through a very difficult time. Lord, give them a word from you that will help them. Maybe there are dark days ahead for some in the place today. 
I pray today that you'll give them a word to which they will find great strength in during those hours. We thank you again for your goodness. Open our hearts now and work in our hearts, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. When I think about things happening in life and unusual things happening and difficult times happening, I think about a story that I read not too long ago about a man that was sitting at home one evening when the doorbell rang. He answered the door, and to his surprisement, there stood a six-foot-tall cockroach. Before he could say anything, the cockroach immediately punched him between the eyes and then ran off. The next night, the man was sitting there. The doorbell rang again. He opened the door, and lo and behold, there stood that six-foot cockroach again. This time, it punched him, kicked him, and karate chopped him before it ran off. Well, the next night, the man was sitting in his living room, or sitting there, the doorbell rang, and he opened the door, and sure enough, there is that six-foot cockroach again. This time, it jumped on him and began stabbing him, and then ran out the door. The gravely injured man managed to crawl to the telephone and call 911. The ambulance arrived and rushed him to the hospital. Well, as he was being treated, by the, being treated for his injuries, the doctor asked him what happened. And the man began to tell him about the six-foot cockroach. Well, the doctor paused for a moment, and then he said, Yes, there is a nasty bug going around. You'll, some of you catch that a little bit later. <laughs> It may be this morning that some of you feel like there's been a nasty bug going around in your life. You see, there are times in life when we are punched and we are kicked and we are stabbed by the events and the happenings of life. We'll call them hard times today. Hard times that are pressing and hard times that are distressing in our life. Those times in life when things are hard to deal with. Those times in life when things are hard to face and things are hard to handle. How do you handle the hard times of life? When I look at Psalm 62, I find a psalm that was written by David during a very difficult time in his life. The background of Psalm 62 is the anguishing time of Absalom's rebellion. Absalom, his son, had been attempting to take the throne away from his father David, and the conspiracy was growing stronger every day. It was a very disturbing time in David's life. It was a very distressing time in David's life. That's the background, the backdrop, the setting to what David says in Psalm 62. But as I read Psalm 62, it's like David is instructing us. He is not only talking to himself, he is not only discussing things that he has experienced in life, but it's like David is instructing us and instructing his people about what to do when the hard times come. I want you to look at the psalm this morning, and there are a few things that I want to point out from this psalm that are instructions that are given to us by God through David that instruct us what to do when the hard times come. Write these things down. I point these things out to you. The first thing that I want you to notice as I look at Psalm 62 is that David instructs us and he talks to us about how we should turn to the Lord during the hard times. David talks to us about turning to the Lord when the hard times come. You notice how he begins the psalm in verse 1. 
He begins the psalm by saying, Truly, my soul waiteth upon the Lord. In the hard times of life, David turned to the Lord. He waited upon God. David is instructing us to turn to the Lord, to wait upon God. You see, when the hard times come in life and when the difficult times come, we should turn to the Lord. Or to put it in another way, we should take our problems and take our needs to the Lord. Now, you might ask the question, why did David turn to the Lord? Notice the psalm. And I point out three reasons why David turned to the Lord in the hard times of life. For one thing, I notice in verse 1 that David turned to the Lord because he found salvation in the Lord. You notice what he said in verse 1. He said, from him, referring to his Lord, cometh my salvation. You also notice in verse 2 that he says, he only is my rock and my salvation. You notice down in verse 6 and 7, David is repeating himself, but he says in verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. And in verse 7 he said, in God is my salvation. It's very obvious as you read Psalm 62 that David turned to the Lord because he found salvation in the Lord. Now what did he mean when he talked about salvation? The word salvation that he used throughout the psalm is a word that speaks of being saved or being delivered. When David talked about the Lord being his salvation, he is saying that the Lord delivered him. He is saying that the Lord was his deliverer. He knew that the Lord was his God, and he knew that the Lord was the one that would deliver him. And in the hard times, David speaks of the Lord being his deliverer. You notice something interesting in the verse. I never noticed this till this week. But you notice how David repeats himself. And in the first part of the psalm, he makes certain statements, and then he makes the statements again. But sometimes he changes a word or two, for example. In verse 1, in verse 1, he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He repeats himself in verse 5, but there's a slight difference. He said, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. In verse 1, he said, In the Lord was his salvation. But in verse 5, he said in the Lord was his expectation. Now, the word expectation there is very interesting. The word literally describes a cord or a line or a rope. It's the same word that is used in Joshua 2.18 when it spoke of the line that was let out of the windows by which the two spies were let down to safety. Now, in Solomon, rather in Joshua, when he spoke about a cord or a line, the idea was of letting someone down. But when David talks about the Lord delivering him and speaks of God being his expectation, the imagery is of a line or a rope being let down to deliver someone or to lift someone up out of a pit or a dungeon. David was saying, the Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my salvation. In my hard times, in my difficult times, the Lord lets down a rope by which he delivers me. I want you to know this morning that the Lord you can turn to because he is your salvation. Now, you may be going through hard times, but I want you to know somewhere the Lord can and will deliver you. Somewhere he'll let down his rope of grace. When we go through the hard times, turn to the Lord because in him we find salvation. But look at something else. 
David not only said that he turned to the Lord because he found salvation in the Lord, but he also says that he found security in the Lord. Notice what he said in verse 2. He said, he is my defense. In verse 6, he says, he is my defense. Now, the word defense that David used is a word that describes a cliff or a lofty and inaccessible place. Like in the Holy Land, certain places built high up on these rocks and the enemy could not get there because of the incline or the climb and the difficulty of the, the terrain to get up there. David said, the Lord, not only does he lift me out, but he puts me up on a high place. And he puts me in a place where I find protection and where I find security. When David said, the Lord is my defense, he was saying, the Lord is my security. The Lord is my protection. That's why he says in verse 8 and describes the Lord as being his refuge. Now listen to me this morning. When we go through the hard times, when we go through the difficult times of, the lo of life, we can find in the Lord our security. And we can find in the Lord our salvation. Find in verse 2 that he found in the Lord strength. He found strength in the Lord. For he said in verse 2, I shall not be greatly moved. And then in verse 6 he said, I shall not be moved. David not only found salvation in the Lord, and he not only found security in the Lord, but he found strength in the Lord. David found in the Lord the strength that he needed to face whatever he was going through. He found that whatever he was facing, the Lord was his salvation. And the Lord was his strength. And the Lord was his security. I ask you this morning, are you going through a hard time? Do you need strength to go through what you are going through? you need strength to face whatever you are facing? Well, I want to say to you, like David, you can find strength in the Lord. You can find what you need to get through what you are going through. You can find in the Lord what you need to face whatever you are facing. The Lord is our salvation. The Lord is our strength, and the Lord is our security. I think of a story that I read not too long ago that blessed my heart. I, I may have shared it once before, but it was a story about a young lady that was preparing to go to the mission field, single young lady. And she's getting ready to go to the mission field. Just before she boarded a ship, this number of years ago, the ship that would carry her to a foreign land, someone walked up to her and handed her a sealed envelope and said to her, if you ever get to the place you have nowhere else to go, then open this envelope. That lady went to the mission field, and for 30 years she served God on the mission field. 30 years later, she returned to the States. She was giving her testimony. She opened her Bible and she pulled out of her Bible that envelope that would, had been given to her 30 years earlier. It had never been opened. She told of how 30 years ago, as a young lady with much uncertainty and fears about going to the mission field alone, as she was about to embark, someone handed her that envelope and said to her, if you ever get to the place that you have nowhere else to go, then open this envelope. She smiled and she said, that was 30 years ago and there has been many of a hard time in my life, but there was never a time when I did not have a place to go. I want to say to you this morning, you have a place to go. In the hard times of life, turn to the Lord. 
take your problems to the Lord. And when you turn to the Lord, you'll find salvation in the Lord. You'll find strength in the Lord. You'll find security in the Lord. Can I get an amen there? Turn to the Lord. But there's a second instruction David gives us. He not only instructs us on how we should turn to the Lord, but he also instructs us on how we should trust in the Lord. Notice what he said in verse 8. He said, trust in him at all times, ye people. You see, David in Psalm 62 not only instructs us to turn to the Lord during the hard times, but he also instructs us to trust in the Lord during the hard times. You'll find many times in the Bible we're instructed to trust in the Lord. Psalm 4 and verse 5 said, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 3, or not Psalm, but rather Proverbs 3 and verse 5 said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine understanding. We are told over and over again to trust in the Lord. But David... And Psalm 62 instructs us that in the hard times that we are to turn to the Lord and we are to trust in the Lord. Now, what did David talk about? What did he mean when he talked about trusting in the Lord? How did he instruct us to trust in the Lord? Notice this trust. A couple of features about it. You see, for one thing, that when David told us to trust in the Lord, he described a trust that is continual. Notice what he said in verse 8 again. Notice carefully the wording. He said, trust in him. Now notice, at all times. Do you see that? David not only tells us to trust in the Lord, but he tells us to trust in the Lord at all times. Now when are we to trust God? We're to trust him at all times. We're to trust the Lord when things are good. But we're also to trust the Lord when things are bad. We're to trust the Lord in the good times, but equally we are to trust God in the bad times. I think about the words of an unknown author who said, Trust Him when the dark doubts assail thee. Trust Him when thy strength is small. Trust Him when to trust Him simply seems the hardest thing of all. When should we trust God? We should trust God when our doubts assail us. We should trust God when our strength is small. And we should trust God when the hardest thing to do is to trust God. Just trust God and to trust Him at all times in life. I think about a story I read about Oliver Cromwell and one of his secretaries. And he was dispatched to the continent on some important business. He stayed overnight at a seaport town, but he was unable to rest. He rolled and tossed all night. A servant that was traveling with him was sleeping in the same room, but he was sleeping soundly. Because his secretary was up and down and rolling and tossing all night, he awakened the man in the middle of the night. And the man looked at him and said, uh, Master, what is wrong? And he said, I am so afraid that something's going to go wrong. We've got an important message to carry, and I'm so afraid something's going to be happen. Have, something will happen. The servant looked at him and said, Master, may I ask a question or two? To be sure, said the secretary. He said, did God rule the world before we were born? Most assuredly, he did. And will he rule it after we are dead? Certainly he will, said the secretary. And then the servant said, then master, why not let him rule the present too? And the secretary's faith was stirred and peace filled his heart and he gave it everything and trusted the Lord and slept soundly for the rest of the night. Can I say to you this morning, are you listening to me today? 
that you can trust your present with the Lord. In fact, you ought to trust your present with the Lord. Whatever you're going through right now, it may be hard and it may be difficult and it may be distressing, but what do you do? Turn to the Lord and trust in the Lord. As someone as well said, we may, never, we may not be able to trace him, but there is never a moment that we can't trust him. No matter where you are at, and no matter what you are going through, trust in the Lord. It is a trust that is continual. Trust Him at all times. But notice something else about the psalm. He not only describes a trust that is continual, but he also describes a trust that is correct. For he not only tells us to trust the Lord, but he tells us to trust the Lord correctly. You say, what do you mean? Notice what he said in verse 10. He said, trust not in oppression. He tells us to trust in the Lord. Then he makes it very clear. Now here, I want you to understand, you do not trust in these things. For example, you take the word oppression. The word literally describes that which has been gained unjustly, that which has maybe been stolen or that which has been, someone has been cheated out of this matter, that which has been gained unjustly. But used by David here, it has the ideal of material things. For he said in the latter part of verse 10 that if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. You know what David is telling us? He's telling us that we're not to put our trust in material things. That we're not to put our trust in possessions. That we're not to put our trust in our bank accounts or in our portfolios or anything this world has to offer. Instead of trusting in material things that cannot help us, trust in the Lord that can help you. You see, there comes an hour that your bank account, bank account can be exhausted, but you never exhaust the resources of God. He is your salvation. He is your security. He is your strength. And when this world is crumbled, he'll still be your salvation, security, and strength. Trust not in the things of this life. The psalmist said in Psalm 44, 6, I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Psalm 27, 20 and verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we'll remember the name of the Lord. You know what the middle verse of the Bible is? The center verse of the Bible, you know what it says? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. To trust God. Don't rely on the things that you have. Rely on who you know. It's a trust in the Lord. What do you do when hard times come? Turn to the Lord. Come to Him. Bring your knees to the Lord and trust the Lord. But look at a third and a final word of instruction that is given to us. He not only instructs us on how we should turn to the Lord, and he not only instructs us on how we should trust in the Lord, but notice again verse 8, he instructs us on how we should talk to the Lord. He tells us to come to the Lord. He tells us to trust in the Lord. But he also tells us how to talk to the Lord when we come. He said in verse 8, Trust in him at all times, you people. Look at this. I love this statement. Pour out your heart before him. I never read that verse that it don't bless my heart. I never read that statement. David is telling us to come to God, to turn to him and trust to him, trust in him. And he tells us to talk to him. How should we talk to the Lord? He says to pour out your hearts to him. What did he mean? Well, for one thing, David meant that we were to pour out our hearts freely to the Lord. You look at the words pour out. They literally mean to spill forth. 
and it describes something gushing out or something gushing forth. And the ideal is David used it of someone, the ideal is of someone talking to another, and as they do so, they begin to open their hearts and they freely share their heart with that individual. There have been many times down through the years someone would stop me and say, Brother Ken, I need to talk to you. Or someone would call and say, Brother Ken, can I come by? I need to talk to you. And they would come by or we would sit down together somewhere. And they would begin to open their heart and as they did so, that many times I've seen people walk in and just sit down and just start weeping and crying uncontrollably and just pour their heart out and begin to tell me what is happening or what has gone on in their lives. That's what David is talking about. David is saying when you're going through the hard times, pour your heart out to the Lord. Come to him and freely tell him what you're going through. Tell him what you feel. Tell him how you're struggling. Tell him how you're battling with what you're going through. Pour your heart out to the Lord. I ran across a story this uh, not too long ago that I got a kick out of. I was sharing the story with Sherry yesterday. It was a story about back in the mid-80s of a young man, a 24-year-old unemployed painter and decorator by the name of Michael Fagan. Michael Fagan did a most unusual thing. He scaled the fence of Buckingham Palace. Now, some of you here have been to London. You've visited Buckingham Palace, and you know, you, you know, know what I'm talking about, that large fence that encircles Buckingham Palace. Well, Michael Fagan somewhere climbed the fence and got inside the grounds of Buckingham Palace, undetected. And he didn't stop there. He walked to the palace itself, shimmied up a drain pipe through an open window, and for 15 minutes wandered around on the inside of Buckingham Palace. He then opened a door and walked into the queen's bedroom, and she was in the bedroom. She was in her nightgown. I'd love to have seen this. She was in her nightgown with hair rollers in her hair. She looked up. Michael Fagan walks in. She presses an alarm button, a security button, but nobody responded. Michael Fagan walks over and sits down on the bed with the queen. She picks up the telephone twice and calls security. Nobody responds. And the whole time Michael Fagan sits there, he's telling her about everything that's been going on in his life. Telling her about how he'd lost his job. Telling her about the troubles he's having in his family. And just pours out his heart and just tells the queen about everything that's going on. And she says, oh, I understand. I see it, whatever. Finally, Michael Fagan said, do you have a cigarette? The queen says, no, but I'll go get you one if you'll wait just a moment. And she got up, went out in the hall and found someone. They came and got Michael Fagan and escorted him out. What was interesting, they found out that five weeks earlier he had done the same thing when President Reagan and Mrs. Reagan were visiting Buckingham Palace. But I read that story, and you'd have to know the English and you'd have to know the queen to really appreciate that story. But I read that story, I thought to myself, listen, I can go to the king of kings every day and tell him about my troubles. I don't have to climb a fence or shinny a drain pipe either. All I've got to do is come and say, Dear Lord, here's where I'm at. You can tell the Lord about what you're going through. Tell him about your troubles. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Freely pour out your heart. Not only are we to pour out our hearts freely, but we're to pour out our hearts fully. The idea behind the word pouring out is of that which gushes forth 
and extinguishes itself. It's not only that I can come to him and freely pull out my, pour out my heart, but I can fully pour out my heart. I can tell him everything. Sometimes you have things in your heart you feel uncomfortable talking to someone else about. Is that not right? And there are times that you feel like I just can't talk to anybody about this. But I want you to know something. You do have somebody you can talk to about it. You talk to the Lord about anything. And he will not, give, he'll not tell anybody about it either. Say amen. Pour out your heart. Pour out your heart freely to the Lord. Pour out your heart fully to the Lord. Are you struggling today? Now, we superhuman saints, we don't like to let anybody know that we're having trouble. But if we were all honest, there would be times we would have to admit, Brother Ken, I'm having a hard time dealing with this. I'm having a hard time coping with this. Brother Ken, I feel like I'm about to snap. What do I do? Tell it to the Lord. Go to him and tell God, pour out your hearts fully. Lord, I'm having trouble with this. I am wrestling in my heart with what's going on. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I need your help. Pour out your heart to the Lord. What should you do when the hard times come? What should we do? We should turn to the Lord. We should trust in the Lord. We should talk to the Lord. Elisha Hoffman was a pastor in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. There was a lady in his church that seemed like had one problem after another. And it's not just that a trial would come here and there. It's like she'd be in the middle of one trial and all of a sudden another trial would come. It was one storm, one problem, one trial after another. Preacher Hoffman went by one day to have prayer with her. And when he got there, he found out that a brand new calamity had befallen this dear lady. She sat there and unburdened her heart to the pastor, telling him what had happened. And as she did so, she would wring her hands and she kept saying, Oh, Brother Hoffman, what shall I do? What shall I do? Oh, Brother Hoffman, what shall I do? What shall I do? Pastor Hoffman opened his Bible and he read to her some verses of assurance and trust and the faithfulness of God. Had prayer with her. And afterwards he said, You see, my dear sister, God wants to bear all these sorrows, whether they're great or small. He said, the best thing we can do is take them to Jesus. We must tell Jesus. The little lady sat there for a moment in silence, and then a smile filled her face, and she said, yes, Pastor, you are so right. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Pastor Hobbin left that afternoon with those words burning in his heart. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. He went back to his study and there he wrote the great hymn, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I put the words on the screen. Get them. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves, thank God, and he cares for his own. What must I do? I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. He is my salvation, my security, and my strength. Jesus alone. What do you do when the hard times come? Turn to the Lord. Trust in the Lord and talk to the Lord. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Let's stand. As Rick gets us a song, I'm sure he'll get the song, I Must Tell Jesus.
Many of you this morning have already poured out your heart to the Lord. Many of you have already brought your needs to God, and you've already brought your circumstances and your heartaches to the Lord. Then I want to remind you once again, David, he instructs us to turn to the Lord. Don't try to face what you're going through alone. Don't try to handle it by yourself. Turn to the Lord. You can turn to Him. Go to God. Trust the Lord with what's going on. Trust Him for strength and trust Him for guidance and trust Him for help and pour your heart out to Him. Tell Him what you're going through. He knows, but He wants you to tell Him. Pour your heart out. If you're having a hard time, tell the Lord you're having a hard time. If you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, tell the Lord you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. If you're having a hard time coping, you feel like you're about to snap, tell the Lord, Lord, I feel like I'm about to snap. Pour your heart out. I promise you one thing. He'll never turn you away. And when you come to him, you'll find, like David said, he is my salvation. Somewhere he's going to drop heaven's rope down and deliver me. He is my strength. He is my security. Tell Jesus about it. We're going to sing in just a moment. There may be those in the building today that God is leading you to become a part of our fellowship. We're going to invite you to come. Just take a seat on the front row. We'll get the name and the information that we need from you. There may be those like Rick that came early in the service that have never been saved. Today would be a good day for you to come to the Lord. You'll find in the Lord's salvation. You'll find him to be a savior that'll save you from your sins and save you from eternity. Come to him today. There'll be folks here. My wife is here. Aaron is here. Terry is here. We'll take the Bible. We'll show you from the scripture how you can know Christ as your personal savior. How you can leave this building today knowing that if you died, heaven is your home and you won't have to worry about going to hell. Maybe you're away from God. You ought to come back to the Lord today. Give your life to him. Serve God. Sherry in the choir sung earlier. Make him Lord of your life. Maybe today you're going through a hard time. Why don't you turn to the Lord, trust in the Lord? Why don't you talk to the Lord? Why don't you find your place in this old-fashioned altar? Pour your heart out to the Lord. Tell the Lord about it. He's here. He'll help you. Tell Jesus about it. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, I pray now the Spirit of God will take the truth of God and use it to draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Meet needs in this room today and we'll bless you and thank you for it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask these things. Amen. Let's